There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to this very special bonus episode of The Last Laugh. I'm Matt Wilstein from The Daily Beast, and I have three hilarious guests joining me on today's show. More than a decade after it ended its run on Comedy Central, Reno 911 is back this month with an all-new seventh season on Quibi. And today, you're going to hear a very fun conversation I got to have with the show's creators and stars. Robert Ben Garant, Kerry Kenny Silver, and Thomas Lennon first met as members of the legendary sketch group The State at NYU, and have been working together on and off for the past 30 years. As they tell me on today's episode, it was a bit daunting to get back into their Reno 911 uniforms after so much time had passed. But once they did, it was like they never left. I am so excited for you to hear this episode, so I am not going to waste any more of your time. This is me with the Reno 911 crew. Hi. Hi, Gary Kenny. Hello. Hi. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm okay. How do you do? You're doing okay. Okay. <laughs> Hi, Matt. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. This is so exciting yeah. to have everyone together on Zoom. I know. We've been doing a lot of Zooming. Yeah. Yeah. It's it. We've we've actually been able to finish editing the show this way. Oh wow! Yeah. So how does that work? You kind of just look at stuff and then get on and talk about it, or exactly? Yeah. It's kind of brain surgery. So yeah. I don't know if you understand, but very <laughs> high concept. We got the 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 shut in happened. We were about like sixteen episodes in of twenty five episodes, and so mm-hmm. we put avid systems into the three editors homes and oh my uh, God. slowed us down quite a bit, but it, it was, it worked. It was okay. They were able to yeah. like stuff and sometimes show us stuff during the meeting that we could react to. It was a, uh, it was a uh, very interesting. Hey guys, uh, yeah. Hey guys, I'm here. I don't know if you can hear me or not. It's Tom. Yeah. Yes, we hear yes, you, Tom. Hear you. Oh, yay. Yay, yay. Yay. Hey Tom. Uh, this Apologies, is Matt. Guys. Hi Matt. So yeah, I mean, thank you all for for getting on on this uh, this virtual podcast that we're doing. Um, and I mean, first of all, you know, I'm I'm such a big fan of Reno Nine One One, and it was really, I have to admit, the first thing that made me think, oh, I, I actually need to get Quibi. Um, so that's right uh, on. I don't right know if on. Quibi wants to hear that, but that but uh, maybe they do. But it was uh, we it was won't your, tell your them. Show. We won't tell Quibi. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's just exciting that, that the show's back. So how did this actually happen after so many years? Doug Herzog called us. Uh, we, we, we've talked like in 2009 comedy central sort of flirted with having us back and none of us really wanted to go back to comedy central itself felt like a, not like a super power move and mm-hmm. I don't, we, we just weren't ready. And then Doug Herzog, who basically, he bought the state. He's like, he's employed us our whole lives. And yeah. he, he bought Reno when he was at Fox, Fox passed. 
he moved to Comedy Central and then he bought it for Comedy Central. So he's basically bought Reno 911 three times. <laughs> three times. For three different networks. He must really like you guys. Uh, yes, yes. But he called and <laughs> said, he called and he pitched us that it was short form, which seemed really oddly perfect for Reno. And, yeah. he, and he told us he wouldn't give us any notes. And he's the one guy on earth who we know that's true. Like he's worked with us. He knows the Reno process. He he's watched dailies and he, he knows what that means. And he said he wouldn't give us any notes. And we said, sure. And he didn't, they didn't give us any creative notes for the entire 25 episodes. That's great. I did hear that Nisi Nash was instrumental in, in getting the show back, uh, back on the air. Um, she was, she, she has, she hasn't wanted to, to, she didn't want to stop at all. I mean, just wanted to keep going. She has been such a cheerleader. And so every six months or so she would text me and say, okay, are we going to do it now? Are we going to do it now? When are we going to do it? Are we going to do it now? And she and I were on a red carpet for a film and she was right ahead of me. So mm -hmm. she had been interviewed by somebody. I stepped up to them and they said, so I hear Reno's coming back. And I just turned to <laughs> DC and she gave me a sly little smile. So, yeah. yeah. I think uh, I think the real reason that Nisi's always been the person pushing to get Reno 911 back uh, in some format is that, so that there wouldn't be a moment of human entertainment that she's not in. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so... Seriously, yeah. I mean, other was there was about to be a whole new platform, and she, you know, she wouldn't have two or three shows on it. How would she possibly feel? Um, yeah, I mean, it's really remarkable that you got everybody back, which I'm sure couldn't have been easy to uh, to assemble everyone in the same place, uh, and you know, and do it that way. Was it was it hard to do that? And was there anyone with any holdouts or people who uh, who were hesitant uh, to bring it back? I honestly don't think it was hard at all. I think I think on paper it sounded insane because everyone's on different networks now. People are under different contracts. Basically, we said we would love to do this. Everyone said, oh, my gosh, me too. And then, you know, behind the scenes deals were made, but nobody, everybody was game. Everybody mm -hmm. was game. Yeah, just lo logistically, like there was only there were only two days where every single person worked like mm -hmm. uh, at once. Um, but I mean, we only, we didn't shoot, we only shot for what, 20 days? We didn't shoot for that many days, but but there was only two days where we actually had everybody. Yeah. So it was like a scheduling craziness, you know, mm -hmm. but but, uh, but the other than scheduling, everybody wanted to do it. It was, it was nice. What did it feel like to get back in these characters after, you know, 11 years had passed since the, since the last season ended? Um, what was that sort of first day on set like? Um, I, for I feel like uh, for me and what I heard everyone else saying was it was a little the idea of it was daunting. Like, what if I can't do this again? What if mm -hmm. I don't know this person, how this person moves and speaks? And and then within 30 seconds, it was like, oh, the, oh, it's this person. <laughs> and everybody was just off and running. And I've heard that from, from other people in interviews and talking to the cast. It just was like, oh, we, we I mean, because we did, we, we start, we did the original pilot for this in the year 2000. Oh, wow. So, you know, we've been doing these characters for 20 years. If we don't know them by now, that's kind of sad. Well, I think one thing that's pretty convenient is we, we put zero thought into them in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, 
I think it was, it's really easy to sort of recraft something that you didn't work on very hard, uh, which is all of these characters. I mean, the character, when we shot the original pilot, we went so fast that we basically went, people picked like an outfit and a name tag and that was it. Mm-hmm. And then everybody, so what you're seeing, and I think why people respond to the show is all of the officers are really just the, you know, the slightly radioactive enhanced version of some part of what they are, you know, like the, the mm-hmm. overlap of me and Dangle with some of the Stephen Sondheim stuff and the jazz dance and the, you know, I mean, there's a, it's a huge overlap. Uh, yeah. So, but I will say on the way out to set, it was very lucky that we shot about an hour away from Los Angeles. Cause I, I practiced the voice in the car the whole way there. <laughs> um, for, for the other two of you, were there, are there things in your characters that really come from your own uh, experiences? Yeah, I, I think you can't help, but you know, especially because the show is, is improv and, and uh, I think you can't help, but have it, partially come from your psyche. I mean, some of some parts of it, I waited till my mother passed away to say some parts of it were certainly my mom. <laughs> um, you know, but, but I say that in the most loving way, you know, mm-hmm. that there, um, but yeah, I think, I think you can't help it. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm not a, a you know, a clueless, um, you know, jerk like she can be, but, you know, I think some of the innocence and, and, um, things like that absolutely yeah I, I think for everybody especially those first few seasons i think people came in with a with maybe a slightly different specific idea of who their character was maybe mm-hmm. but we would do you know hour-long improvs you know where where you were just sitting around the table improving for an hour and so after five minutes you run out of the material that you wrote for the next day and, and <laughs> And you That's have to very just good start yeah. reacting. You know, you have to just start being there. And so you can't really overthink it too much. And so I, I think that we became very much just like Tom was saying, weird sort of uh, versions of ourselves. You know, I, I think that's true with, with everybody. And now I think people are just so confident in their their characters that I don't think people put a lot of thought into it. I think people... You know, you, you sometimes, if you know the bit the next day, you'll think of a couple of jokes, but mm. usually those don't make it in. Usually the they ones don't that make, make it in. Yeah. The yeah. ones that make it in are the ones where you didn't, where the conversation left the map and you were just sort of reacting. Like that's, that's when this stuff gets really funny. We, I don't know if you know, Matt, but the way that the show came about originally, it was not intended to be improv. We, as when we were, at, you know, the state, Mm-hmm. on M- MTV years ago, we were very, very tightly scripted. And the t- few times we tried improv, it was an enormous failure. So we were <laughs> not an improv group by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. And we we came about before all the classes and the, and the schools and things like mm-hmm. that. So when we did the pilot as an improv pilot, it was only because we didn't have time to write the script we didn't necessarily think it was going to work. So mm-hmm. when it came time to do the show, we said, well, that worked. Let's, let's continue the show and improv, but we hadn't, we're not trained improvise, you know, that we're, we were learning as we went along how, how this goes. Yeah. Well, it works incredibly well um, in the show, the improv. And it was, it was really interesting because I just talked to Patton Oswald 
who's going to be on an episode of this uh, podcast coming up about his appearance on this new season and his and he's appeared on the show several times over the years and he described it as um that traditionally improv is all about yes and but mm-hmm. the way you guys go about it is almost like no but because yep. you know, there's there's inherent conflict between the the characters the cops and whoever they're um encountering um so the whole thing is like you guys trying to shut them down so can you talk a little bit about how that manifests in the scenes because it is it's like you're creating a bigger challenge for yourselves with the improv than than you could be almost in many ways i think it is that's like the gift of the show and what makes it in in some ways very easy to do which is uh, I, I mean it's not easy to do it, it, it it's uh, you know we obviously it's a lot of work but but it is nice to know that almost every every scene that we come into, we basically have one agenda, which mm-hmm. is to make whatever anyone's doing, make them stop it. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's funny because they actually do use some Reno 911 clips are used for training for police officers. Really? And always, yeah, they use for one, like Shoot My Dog from the old show with Floyd Van Buskirk is always used. Many, many cops have told me they've watched that. They show that. <laughs> and the reason being, because when you show up, someone's lying. Mm-hmm. you know and it's always it's interesting for us you'll see a lot of just in terms of improv this season there's a lot of what's called like status games yeah where we uh, you know usually like we come in and we're like a status scene with Patton, like we're yelling at him and trying to stop him usually mm-hmm. but then this season like paul walter hauser as jeffy the security guard and michaeline black as the hatsula captain Mm-hmm. They come into scenes and they're instantly in charge of us just by the, like <laughs> what they say in their body language. Yeah. So there's some fun. There's definitely fun this year of like a, a slight difference of some people being in charge of us and us being you know led by them. Um, yeah, it's a, it's fun. Like we we're not there in most improv. You're there to like listen to somebody's crazy story and then add to it, and we're there to point out the holes in their crazy story and tell them to knock it off, which is, Mm -hmm. which people get really creative and spinny and it's just a different game than, than anybody's used to. Well, that's what, what's so fun about it too, is if you watch that scene with Patton and like Patton, we shot two like real long takes just because we knew it would be fun. Mm -hmm. And there's a real, there's a very nuanced thing to coming into scenes where you're definitely supposed to stop what's happening but then absolutely keeping it going for as long as you can. (laughs) Max Logan still broadcasting on the White Genocide Radio Hour. Now, you know I'm live at Champy's Pizza here in Reno, where, of course, the SJWs can't get a a good night's sleep unless your children are near a penis, which is why they've opened a a unisex bathroom. Sheriff's Department. Sheriff's Department. Here we go. Got a couple of members of the uh, deep state coming on. Oh, in. come on. No, come on, Matt. Come on. The deep state. They want to get me outside so that more kids will go into that bathroom and be exposed to a huge, veiny, throbbing, muscular penis the size of a flashlight. Is there well, someone with a penis like that in well, there if right you, now? Well, if you need to... Guys. You can't be on private property. Well, go, can't you, be on private property. Go back uh, to your so basement. Long, I'm sorry that I'm interrupting... Uh, Baghdad Betty's oh! Baghdad Betty's attempt to uh, to expose your children to uh, penises. 
one thing that, you know, I think is interesting about this new season is that it's coming, you know, after a time when America's relationship to police is very different than it was when you guys first started the show. And I, I thought it was interesting how you kind of addressed that for the first time in terms of the some racial issues and, and those kind of things. So can you talk about why you wanted to include that uh, this time around? Well, we knew... Like we we talked about this a lot. Like uh, we we knew we couldn't pretend. Like since for the past eleven years, there have been like three different waves of anti-police sentiment in the past like decade. Like the, mm-hmm. the, the Black Lives Matter, and then the cell phone. They're like they're like waves of anti-cop stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we knew we couldn't pretend it was still twelve years ago. We knew that we had to sort of address all of the kids following cops around with cell phones, trying to catch him do something and all the like huge incidents of racism, some accused falsely, some totally accurately, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like the, and we, we knew we had to like be ourselves, you know, we, we knew we couldn't ignore that and act like we were in this sort of time capsule Mayberry where none of that had happened. And like, what's very weird is, like 13 years ago, we did a show where we, me and Garcia and Gary, the Ku Klux Klansman, went down to Mexico to build the wall. Like we, we went down where we volunteered to go mm-hmm. work on the wall. And, and, and at the time, it wasn't like a political joke. It was just a joke. Like nobody yeah. reacted to it. Nobody. I don't think anybody even like wrote about it in an article or anything. Mm-hmm. It was pre-Twitter. No. And so now we're in this new world where, you know, we know everything we're going to do might create some weird person on Twitter reacting to it in a way we didn't intend. But we had to do what we do. We had to be really stupid, incompetent cops, but set in like almost this real world, you know. And and Mm -hmm. so we we plan stuff very carefully. to To that end, I also think that, you know, we knew we were going to, I think one of the things that surprised people about the new season and Ben and Carrie and I talked about this yesterday is I think people thought we were going to sort of phone it in or do like, I don't know, like the, the touring company version of the show. Yeah. But this is, this is the real Reno 911. I think we come out swinging. We don't apologize for anything. Uh, we just got our first online person who's angry, very angry with me about Dangle's international pronouns day. Uh, <laughs> oh, really? Success. Oh, yeah, yeah. I knew, I knew, I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. But, Is that just uh, a ran- random person on Twitter? Or, uh... No, 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 no. No, it was a big, uh, no. I believe no. they called us boomers. Oh. That's yeah, they were, it was, uh, no, it was like an article, but, but uh, yeah, they were, they were super mad at how old we are and that I would do a <laughs> sketch about that. <laughs> but, you know, what I, what I would say is I, I feel like there's a lot of shows that you see that, like, they made an effort to have like all kinds of t- let's make sure we have this kind of type and that kind of type and this kind of person. Mm-hmm. Real 911 never came from that. It was the most organically diverse group of people, uh, you mm-hmm. know, pretty much somewhat, you know, for the time. And like, I mean, our, 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 our sketch show was 11 white guys and Carrie. Yeah. <laughs> and then. <laughs> so this is like the, was, the Benetton the way, ad planned. version of it. <laughs> well, it's just, I just think that like, a nice thing about Reno is that it, it always organically incorporates a lot of different points of view. 
Yeah, you mentioned that, you know, Quibi really didn't give you any notes or, or any, you know, make you change anything. Was that an issue in earlier incarnations of the show? Were you dealing with Never. censorship or anything like Never. that? Never. Comedy you know, Central. I, I'm trying to think. Comedy Central was was incredible with us from the get-go. Yep. Uh, you know, we had already worked with Viacom, with Doug Herzog, with Jim Sharp, with the state on MTV. So we had already had a very long history with them, with the state, and then a show we had called Viva Variety. So we'd already mm. established ourselves even just as we began Reno in 2000 so we we've 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 you know i i, I have a pretty good us. recollection of the the only major really firm note we ever got from comedy central and this is way back in the day mm-hmm. uh and it was on the uh it was on viva variety and we used to do like all these oh, we used to have board games and sponsors like babe one was baby tastes like soup uh baby we had one that was like called baby is and baby is the bagpipes. We just had like really crappy sponsors, but one mm-hmm. one was a board was a board game uh, like Clue that was called Where is Where did the Lindbergh baby go? <laughs> and it was about the yeah. it was about the kidnapping of the Lindbergh baby, and uh, as if it was like a Clue game, and it was a firm no. That's an <laughs> odd place odd place was, to draw the line. It was very strange. It was, that like, was, People it was are the, gonna get it was mad. The hill they were gonna that. die on. <laughs> 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 that is so bizarre. Um, it was uh, it was a firm no, yeah. Um, so one recent piece of news that uh, that came up that that I that kind of to me felt like something that would be from the Reno nine one one universe, even though it was Las Vegas. Was um, did any of you happen to catch the Las Vegas mayor um, uh, yes. suggesting Delightful. that that her city could potentially no. be a control group uh, for for coronavirus and the and yeah. what might happen there. And what, so it made me no, kind of I, wonder uh, what what might happen if you had to tackle this story that we're all living through, uh, if it was happening in in the world of well, nine one one. We actually did tackle it uh, unwittingly. Uh, oh yeah, we I did. Don't, I don't remember what season, but yep. we did. Sa- we did SARS. a sketch. We did SARS episode. Yeah, yeah. with oh, SARS, yeah. and we did a thing where you yeah. had to be six. There was this new six foot rule at the strip club, so Junior had to walk around with a six foot pole. <laughs> Yeah. in between the strippers and the clients and oh, and, wow. w- and the music is loud so he had to sort of translate from one to another <laughs> he what wants they were to know if you go to the junior college you know like that <laughs> so it was just yeah. that like that's great uh, I'll, I'll be honest we're now uh we're now at that age where i i see reno 911 clips like six foot rule mm-hmm. and also by the way we did a full sars lockdown episode I, yeah where I believe it ends in like an, uh, a strange orgy of me, Cedric, and Carrie, right? <laughs> Probably. What, what happens in the end of that? We should, I guess we should look it up, but I feel like it's like, yeah. it's, it's hella weird, but it's worth a revisit. Yeah. Yeah, definitely worth revisiting now. That was um, the last pandemic. That was one pandemic ago. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you guys, I mean, obviously you, you were still working on this show when all this has been going on and finishing it up. But you've been doing some other things to try to stay funny and put stuff out there during the uh, during the quarantine. Most notably, there was a state reunion, uh, the Porcupine Racetrack, which was very exciting to see. Um, so what, what's the story behind uh, how that came together? That brought me more joy than it probably should have. Like, I will fully admit <laughs> that I believe I teared up the first time I saw it completed. David Wayne is a oh, genius, I, I de- a stone-cold genius. I definitely yeah, I yeah. definitely cried watching that. Yeah. This was also um, like, yeah. 
just pure joy, pure innocence. And David Wayne is a stone cold genius. And, and he's always been with technology. He, I mean, he just like, you know, anyway, he's been putting together these videos of people. I've done a couple and, you know, but other people have done them. These, and, and all you do is just, you know, he, he sends you a click track, you sing it, send it to him and he puts it together. Um, I don't know, maybe I am a boomer, but I was so impressed with how he put it, <laughs> put it all together. Um, and we had been talking the state off and on always about, should we do something again? Should we do something again? Is it time to do something again? Let's do something again. And then this happened and it was like, all right, you know, it was David's idea. Like, you know, how would you guys feel about this? And, and it, it brought me more, more joy than, than, than probably it should have. I was, uh, I was a couple things. One, it was interesting to see everybody. Uh, my my wife was a little shocked by Kevin Allison's arrival in Pokemon Racetrack. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think if you're if you were a member of the state, it was the as natural as putting on an old <laughs> pair of, of leather uh, <laughs> shorts. But yeah, I was fully ready for Kevin. When Kevin arrived, all I could say is, "Yep, that's right." Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh-huh. Yeah, because you only saw you you only knew what you were doing in the video. I'm sure until you saw the the whole thing together. Right. Yeah. Did we not expect an S and M costume uh with from kevin you didn't i mean okay. at the moment no in the uh, moment I did and, not. and what's the story behind that sketch also because um he mentions that uh it was the sketch that that nobody um that mtv didn't want you to air or that was they really didn't didn't like that one that was that intro uh, was written it. tom tom pitched it and the basically the sketch is word for word his first pitch of it mm-hmm. and that yeah. intro was in the pitch so he he wrote the intro oh, okay. just to set up <laughs> yeah, like exactly. you know, this think... is the real us because at the time we were like young punk rock you know anti-establishment and so the joke was secretly and which is actually true we're all a bunch of musical theater people <laughs> and so he wrote that yeah. intro just to set up the world that we would do Porcupine Racetrack in. Thomas, you've been doing some some other acting work uh, during the during the shutdown as uh, Joe Exotic on uh, Late Show with mm-hmm. Stephen Colbert. How did that uh, mm-hmm. How did that come to be? I think it's, thank you, first of all, for calling that work. Because that's, uh, <laughs> uh, like my, my, my grandfather from Ireland, I think had a slightly different definition of work. Mm. Uh, but uh, so I can't remember what happened. Oh, you know what happened is just, there was a zillion posts on the internet. Uh, Dak Shepard put out a picture of himself as Joe Exotic and it was very funny. Yeah. Uh, and then a lot of people started tagging me being like, yeah, but look at, you know, look at Thomas one. And, and I had not seen the show yet. Then I saw it and I was like, I bet it's some gross weirdo that I'm exactly like. And then I saw it and I'm like, Oh, I am exactly, I am exactly like that gross, that gross weirdo. So, so yeah, Colbert, go ahead. Uh, the Colbert show had reached out cause I had to cancel uh, an appearance there. Obviously everything in the world got canceled, but mm-hmm. they're like, you know, if you have a bit you can do from home, let us know. Mm. So I woke up, I woke up early and I sort of wrote out that piece and they're like, well, you know, we'd really have to see a camera test. Like, what's he going to look like? Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? <laughs> so the great thing about being in the state and Viva Variety and Reno 901 is I got, we basically have a, like, I don't know, 30, 40 wigs around here, piles of mustaches, eyeliner, hairspray. The home of a sketch comedian. We, my, my son the other day said yeah. a sentence to me that I don't think anybody, it, it, it's not a very common sentence that a mom hears. He said, mom, you dropped one of your mustaches in the hallway. <laughs> yeah. 
So what I want to do to kind of wrap up is um, go back to kind of the series as a whole, Reno 911, and if you can go around and one by one think of, is there a moment on set that, that comes to mind that where you, where you were laughing the hardest uh, during, the, during the filming of this show? Because I'm sure there are many. But when you, when you, is there one that, that comes to mind? So whoever, uh, whoever would like to start. Oddly, and I don't know why this was, uh, the first thing that pops into my head was oddly, and I don't know why I was so surprised, uh, Seth Green came mm -hmm. on once. And Seth Green was playing like the manager of this fast food place. And Garcia and Jones oh, God. It were, was incredible. His, were yeah. undercover as his employees. And he came in. And he just talked for like an hour straight. And it was amazing. My face hurt from laughing. <laughs> it was so funny. And he was just, he, he came in with such an agenda, of just like yelling at them to scrub stuff. And he ended every scene was, okay, I'm going to go in the back and masturbate. You guys get to work. <laughs> and, and it was like, I was so blown away by how fast and smart and funny it was. That, that might've, the first thing that comes to mind was, that day, mm -hmm. I just my I was exhausted at the end of the day just from laughing at Seth Green. Yeah. Um, there's there's a moment. Uh, there's a lot of moments you can see me laughing in the old show, like lots mm -hmm. and lots. O offhand, there's two that come to mind really quickly of things that I laughed so hard at. I if you go back and watch in the when we shot the first time we filmed Patton as his D and D guy, who has a name by the way, mm -hmm. that Patton's. I didn't realize until your article that Patton has played five different characters in Reno 911. <laughs> that blew my mind. But, yeah. So his D and D guy was actually he has a name, and that character was called, named the Booze Hammer of Galen. Galen. Oh, that's right. And that's right. Hammer of Galen. If you see, I think I don't know. It's me and Carrie standing and talking to Patton, or me and Ben talking to Patton. But at the time, I was a very heavy smoker, and I was smoking Merit 100s, which are those super long cigarettes. <laughs> yeah. And during Patton's actual speech as the booze hammer of Galen, I totally finish two merit 100s without ever speaking. <laughs> that's, that's how long he talked for. And then the only other one I thought of is I laughed really hard when George Lopez played the mayor of Reno, mm -hmm. uh, Mayor Hernandez. And at one point he came in like hands bandaged, covered in blood. And he's like, he basically said, he's like crying and saying, you know, anyone can make an accusation. And he puts his hand on my face like he's going to kiss me. <laughs> and I remember at the time thinking, well, this might be the funniest thing that's ever happened. But you, you can see, I'm sure you can see me just laugh. It's right, right when George, George Lopez like stro strokes my head. Yeah. Well, for me, all, I mean, nobody makes me laugh like, like these guys, which is why I've, you know, we've been following each other around for 33 years. But um, so pretty much everything these guys do this season in particular, the morning briefings killed me more than ever. And I think it's because Tom kept cracking up Wendy with this one recurring bit. And when Wendy <laughs> mm -hmm. goes, and Wendy never used to go. So when Wendy goes, I go. Never. No. Uh, so yeah. that got me big time. What's but, the bit? Um, as far it's it's just in the morning briefings. Tom, Tom, uh, uh, Dangle is announcing that we're being sponsored by a new crappy oh, sponsor yeah. each time, and he would just he, he wouldn't run any of them by us. <laughs> they were each they were so many, many of them are off the top of my head or thought of like one second before we started rolling. <laughs> 
And we were just all so It did become a game. Yeah. It was it was also the one time we were all together. Yeah. Um so those those you know got me but guest star wise nobody makes me laugh like kyle dunnigan and Mm -hmm. and he he's just like he can just creep in underneath the radar with a joke that you just do not see coming and he absolutely knocks me over every time so i would say guest star wise that's he's the first one that comes to mind for me and and he's back this season um spoiler alert yeah, are there any other guest stars that you want to tease coming up uh, this season? Well, one of the people that came and brought, I legitimately think, took the show to a, a different level is uh, Paul Walter Hauser. Yeah, um, yeah. he's incredible. Paul came in. I mean, we had a feel like I knew Paul a little bit, and I had a feeling he'd be, you know, like kind of great, but I was fully unprepared as I think everybody was for how he would just literally come in like Michael Jordan. And like Incredible. it was like a slam dunk contest. He's I so mean, weird and perfect. Yeah. We, we, we often, if we have a guest star, we'll leave a little extra time. Cause we'll say, you know, if we want to do a round Robin, like does, does someone else want to come in now to someone else? This, this was one of the first times where we, we, you know, we had only set for like two people to go in and then, mm. and then, we kept go- other people like, I'm going, to- I want in, I want in, yeah. I want in too, I want in. I'm I, it was like, it, it became like, don't, can I get a scene with Paul now? Yeah, yeah. Like a lot of yeah. That's so funny. He strikes me as someone who yeah. was probably a fan of the show back in the day. He said yeah. so, yeah. He, he, there's something so, really yeah. great about like, now all the guest stars are people who've seen the show, you know, they're all mm-hmm. the new people. So they get the vibe and they get, they kind of know what's going to happen. And, and uh, you know, hopefully we'll get a chance to do it again because there were a lot of, you know, we reached for the stars on some people too. And, and people were really bummed that in that short window that we had, they mm-hmm. couldn't come play. Like Justin Thoreau, I texted him Wanted and he was to, like, yeah. oh my God, I would give my left ball to do Reno like <laughs> when he was in Mexico. But um, Paul Rudd, you know, just so many friends that were like, oh my gosh, you know, I wish, you know timing was really short so hopefully we'll we'll get to do it again and more people can come play but we've got yeah. some incredible guest stars this season. i hope i hope so and i can't wait to see the rest of the episodes it's it's so fun to have this show back in back in our lives right now so thank you guys for doing it we had thank so much you. fun yeah thank you man we it was a it was a blast it was funner than yeah. it had ever been it was it was just great it was so much yeah. fun yeah and thanks for doing the podcast. This was our first one with uh with three guests, and I, I think we I think we pulled it off. So, so uh, I think you did too, Matt. <laughs> what's amazing is if you look at how complicated this is, and I'm not even on video, and then go look at David Wayne's Porcupine Racetrack. <laughs> yeah, you're like it Can't makes imagine. that even more impossible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everyone should definitely check that out as well. Um, all right. Uh, thanks, guys, and have a good uh, have a good rest of your day. Thanks. Staying Me inside. Too. Thank you. Thanks for having okay. me. All right. Stay safe. Bye. You too. Thanks, guys. Bye. Here they come. Here they come. Here they come. Come on! Oh, come on, you porcupine! Run! Run! Porcupine, 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 racetrack, porcupine, 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 racetrack, porcupine, 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 racetrack. Watch the porcupines go.
Thank you again to Thomas Lennon, Kerry Kenny Silver, and Robert Ben Garant for bringing the Reno 911 reunion to the last laugh today. All of the new episodes are streaming now on Quibi, which, by the way, is still offering a 14-day free trial at Quibi.com. If you like this show, please tell your friends and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. You can find me on Twitter at Matt Wilstein and at TheDailyBeast.com. And if you're not already, please follow at Last Laugh Pod on Instagram. The Last Laugh is distributed by Acast for The Daily Beast, with audio production by Red Rock Music. Our theme music is by Claude. You can find on Instagram at claude.mp3. You can find this show every week on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And as always, you can find show notes and highlights from each episode on thedailybeast.com. See you on Tuesday when I'll have an interview with one of my all-time favorite comics, Patton Oswalt. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.